if you start tracing down the history of the Abrahamic gods, then you'll find that the, the first recorded war in the history of mankind is in the Rig Veda, and that is the uh, Dasharaja Yuddha. Then the Sanatana Dharma is won and kept their uh, territory, and the Zoroastrians went outside. They went to Persia. They also populated other areas, the Hittites and Menanis and all that, Mitannis and all that. <clears throat> and uh, that is where the first monotheistic concept actually takes root. The Abrahamic religions have actually borrowed it from them. Sanatan Ishwar is uh, what we call, is uh, based in the transcendent. And uh, it actually uh, comes out of what we call Brahma or universe, that is Brahma. Loosely, it can be translated as universal consciousness. And when we talk of universal consciousness, then you have to relate it to the laws of physics where you have the uh, energy and matter. So the topic is uh, important. And uh, I think it is more important for the Sanatan Dharmis than uh, for the Abrahamics because Abraham, uh, the followers of the Abrahamic religions are fixed in their ways. So they are not looking for any enlightenment. But the problem is mainly with the Sanatan Dharmis because they are not able to distinguish between the expansive and universal concept of uh, Ishwar or Brahma that they have from the Western, oblique, Middle Eastern gods that uh, the Abrahamic religions throw up. So that is a, a huge problem. And therefore, my talk is basically oriented towards uh, uh, clarifying a few things to the Sanatan Dharmis themselves. And uh, <clears throat> to start with, uh, as you initially said that, okay, there's uh, the Sanatan Dharma, uh, the Sanatan Ishwar or Brahma, and you have the Abrahamic gods. And uh, if you start tracing down the history of the Abrahamic gods, then you'll find that the, the first recorded war in the history of mankind is in the Rig Veda, and that is the uh, Dasharaja Yuddha. The Dashraj Yudha actually happened between two competing philosophical systems. And those philosophical systems were basically the universal and uh, the universal consciousness, or what some people call monism. And we can use it for the ease of uh, explaining it to uh, the people who are basically educated from the Western lens. Uh, and there was this uh, the Zoroastrian idea, that monotheism, where they wanted to have, they said that okay, we have that one deity and that uh, that is uh, uh, what they called Ahur Mazda. And uh, then the Sanatan Dharmi is one and kept their uh, 
territory and the Zoroastrians who went outside, they went to Persia, they also populated other areas, the Hittites and Menanis and all that, Mitannis and all that. <clears throat> and uh, that is where the first monotheistic concept actually takes root. The Abrahamic religions have actually borrowed it from them. And uh, they have made it even more dogmatic huh? because uh, in Zoroastrianism there was some room for your own karma or your own uh, effort, your own endeavor towards realization. So you had uh, what is called an intermediate heaven, uh, heaven and hell. And then you had uh, what is called finite time over there. And uh, from the that is that is the basic difference between the cosmology or the cosmology of the infinite in the uh, Sanatan system or the Indian system and the limited cosmology of the Zoroastrians because their cosmology is about 10,000 years. And in those 10,000 years, you have what is called the, the soul moving to these intermediate hells and heavens and coming down and uh, reincarnating for a while till it goes into an eternal hell or heaven. Now, that was modified by the Abrahamic religions into one life and eternal hell and heaven. So you can actually trace it from where it is coming from. And uh, basically, it relates to different psychic levels, as uh, we say. That uh, it's funny that the Abrahamic gods are supposed to be nirakar, but full of guna. That okay, they are formless, but full of attributes. So uh, that was the basic, very very basic elementary difference uh, that I had made out and this is the historical context to that as well. The Sanatan Ishwar is uh, what we call is uh, based in the transcendent and uh, it actually uh, comes out of what we call Brahma or universe that is Brahma loosely can be translated as universal consciousness and when we uh, talk of universal consciousness then you have to relate it to the laws of physics where you have the uh, energy and matter and then you look at the, the philosophies like Sankhya which give you the elementary interaction between consciousness and matter and thereby producing the different gunas or attributes and uh, that is why you know every, every time that you talk of liberation that liberation means going beyond all attributes so it becomes uh, uh, the Ishwar or the Brahma. It uh, becomes formless. It becomes attributeless. And even if it is Sagun, even, even if you go into the Sagun, even then it is transcendent in the sense that it does not distinguish. You know, that uh, even Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, he says that Samoham Sarvabhuteshu Name Dvishyosti Napriya either this or samam sarveshu bhuteshu tishthantam parameshwaram vinashyatsu avinashyantam yaha pashyati sapashyati I am taking these elementary examples from Bhagavad Gita and 
there can be a, uh, actually applied both to the nirguna as well as to saguna actually there isn't uh, really too much of a difference uh, between nirguna and saguna that is uh, i can kind of cite ramcharitmanas and tulsidas ji i think it is one of the greatest samanvaya kari samanvaya kari between the saguna and nirguna and says that aguna hi saguna hi nahi kachu veda gaavahi muni puran buddha veda aguna arup alakh ajjoi bhagat prem bas saguna sohoi so it is the bhakt that produces the form with his bhakti and uh, that is where that that first shlok that i said samoham sarva bhuteshu name deshu astina priya so but he says that okay uh, with a bhakt that uh, if if there is a bhakt and uh, no, who uh, especially looks after the lord then he also looks after him samam sarveshu bhuteshu sorry samoham sarva bhuteshu name dveshyo stena priya and ye bhajanti tu maam bhaktya mai te tehu chapyam ye bhajanti tu maam bhaktya jo bhakti se meri mera bhajan karte hain main bhi unka bhajan karta hu you understand this is this is cause and effect so that is the concept of brahma concept of whether you like look at it the in the advaita form or you look at it in the advaita form in all these things you will find that there is a transcendental concept there is a transcendental being you could call it a being if if you want to call it a being then you call it a transcendental being and it resides at the highest level then you also you try and uh, levelize it and then you relate it to the different levels or different psychic levels as well that also can be done but you compare it with the abrahamic god the abrahamic god first of all abrahamic god is very prescriptive in all sanatan concepts you will find the description of brahma okay in whatever way okay that is okay. I'll, i'll take another example this is again from ramcharitmanas the rudrashtrakam where uh, he is uh, uh, tulsidas ji is looking at shiva as the param brahma now this is also the beauty of this you know you can uh, look at the parabrahma in various forms even parabrahma can be looked at in various forms so shiva as parabrahma then he describes shiva as parabrahma he is actually doing a rudrashtakam <clears throat> uh, so he says namami shamishan nirvana rupam okay nirvana rupam namami shamishan nirvana rupam vibhum vyapakam brahma vedasvarupam so please uh, concentrate on this you know vibhum vyapakam that is omnipresent vibhum vyapakam brahma vedasvarupam you know him as the form of the form of the brahma so this is shiva in the form of brahma 
then the best description comes you know that is you know always gives me goose pimples whenever i look at that description nijam that is within nijam nirgulam without form nijam nirgulam nirvikalpam nirvikalpam non dual nijam nirgulam nirvikalpam niriham that is no ego is beyond ego nijam nirgunam nirvikalpam niriham chidakasham akasha this is you have the, the the four psychic levels the four psychic levels are <clears throat> mana buddhi ahankara chit so chit is the highest self consciousness and chit and then chit that is ta vidhalant chit is the universal consciousness so chit plus akash that is the sandhi so chit akash is chidakash so chidakash makash chidakasham akash chidakash makash vasam bhajeyam so just look at this expansive concept i think this is one of the best descriptions that i have come across of course there is no uh, dearth of writings on this you can have bhagavad gita you can have brahma sutras you have can have upanishads you know that in kena upanishad the simple questions being asked what is brahma what is brahma and then you know you have description brahma is not what you see through the eyes but brahma is by what the eyes see or brahma is not what you hear but uh, brahma is by what you hear you know these are the kind of <clears throat> the questions being answered in any case upanishads are answers to the question so uh, the beautiful things about sanatan dharma is that it's all about inquiry and because it is about inquiry so it is quasi science in that sense because ultimately science is all about asking questions and therefore you are allowed to not only ask questions but uh, then you get the answers and those answers are descriptive they are not prescriptive a lot of people make a mistake of uh, uh reading bhagavad gita and reading upanishads and think that these are prescriptions they are not prescriptions there is nothing in sanatan that is prescriptive even smritis when they are codifying the uh what is called the behavior of those particular times their own particular times even they are actually describing them they are not prescriptive A lot of people say vanaspruti says this vanaspruti says that what does it say it is only describing the extant behavior and then in the end in the last chapter i think 13 chapter there they even give the rules of amending these smritis and that is and this is not one smriti there are so many of them anyway i'm uh, digressing a little bit so this is what is the concept of universal consciousness a very expansive and at the highest level at the transcendental level at the level of chit and chit that is that is where the brahma or the sanatan one ishwar resides isha vasavidam sarvam yat kinchit jagatyam jagat and uh, uh, that also is infinite purnamadah purnavidam purnat purnamudachyate purnasya purnamadaya purnamevavashishyate so that is the level of 
Ishwar, if it is formless, then it is also attributeless. Now, contrasted with the Christian and Islamic gods. Okay, sir. The Judaic God is also the same because the Old Testament is common to both Christianity and, and Judaism. Now look at that. That uh, they say. So of course, by the descriptions or whatever they say, okay, that they, uh, let's look at the Islamic God. He's sitting there on a uh, large plank. Allah or so obviously it is not formless. But even then, let's for the argument's sake, we uh, take their argument that uh, their God or Allah is formless. Fair enough. But what kind of formlessness is this? That uh, formless but full of attributes. Every attribute, especially all the negative attributes that are actually considered to be bad even for human beings, what we are called dash, uh, dashari, that is the ten enemies. Kam, krodha, modha, kam, krodha, lobha, moha, madha, maat, sarya, ahankara, amanavta, all these, these ten attributes, all of these you can find, I'm not saying without basis. If you look at the Quran, then all the time you are told, be very afraid, Allah gets angry. Allah is full of krodh. So you have to fear Allah. It's Sanatan Dharma also, you know, a lot of people who do not have, have this basic understanding. Uh, ईश्वर को अपने पास रख सकते हो ईश्वर को अपना बेटा बना सकते हो ईश्वर को अपना आराध्य भी बना सकते हो अपना मित्र भी बना सकते हो अपना प्रेमी भी बना सकते हो सब कुछ बना सकते हो आप ईश्वर ईश्वर को आप जिस भी फॉर्म में देखना चाहो उसमें आप देख सकते हो डरने की यहां कोई आवश्यकता नहीं डरने का कोई कहीं किसी तरह का कोई कांसेप्ट ही नहीं बट देयर यू हैव टू बी वेरी वेरी अफ्रेड एट द सेम टाइम इट इज दैट इज ऑल द टाइम इट इज बीइंग एम्फसाइज्ड that uh, Allah is compassionate and all-knowing. So compassionate. Why is being why is this being emphasized again and again and again? Because if you look within the ayats and uh, within the surats, surah and ayah as they call it in Arabic, then the description is actually frightening. If you do this, then you go to hell. If you do this, then God will get angry. If you do this, then God will punish you. If you do this, then... So, same ditto in the Bible. And with that, you form this idea that, okay, it's a very, very vengeful and very, very jealous God that is looking at you. He has done the creation. This is also this, you know, the basic differences, I'll just come to it when you ask me the next point. That time I'll also describe the basic differences, the other elemental differences. But beyond that, I'm talking about this, this uh, forms and attributes. This form and attribute business is very, very intriguing indeed. And that is why I say that the God of Abrahamics is a God of intellect.
because all these attributes, the the ten attributes that I talked about, the dashari, they all arise from your ego and intellect. Once you go beyond them, then there is no question of those attributes. In fact, that is what it is. Nijam nirgunam nirvikalpam niriham. When you are going beyond them, then everything vanishes. But here, everything exists because this God is a God of your intellect and ego. That is the one fundamental difference that I was talking about. Mentioned Tulsi Dasji that how Nirguna becomes Sagun. And in that sense, he is uh, uh, much more complete because he is looking at the psychic levels of uh, all the people. He recognizes the diversities that are inherent among human beings. And uh, we all know that uh, there are some people in whom the emotional quotient will be higher. In some people, the intellectual quotient will be higher. There are some people who are able to go beyond. There are some people who are not able to go beyond. So he's catering to everybody. Unlike, say, somebody like Kabir, who emphasizes in the uh, Nirguna Ram, Ram Niranjana Nyarare. So that is, uh, he is talking about Ram Niranjan. That is without spot. So that is, he's talking about Nirguna Ram. And uh, as far as Tulsi Das is concerned, his Ram is both Sagun and Nirgun. So in that sense, that is why Tulsi Das uh, became the rage, because he reconciled the two. And throughout Ram Charitmanas, you know, the, it is supposed to be a story of uh, Ram, but especially in Balakand and Uttarkand, in the, these two Kandas, you will find this uh, description, this full of philosophical discussions about Sagun and Tirpun. So that is uh, what basic reconciliation, uh, that is where it comes about. And that also relates to, you know, that you have to understand the basic differences again. That I have differentiated the, uh, other than the character of uh, their Ishwara, their God, otherwise also there are seven classifications in which I have differentiated the Abrahamic religions and the Bharatiya Dharma. And uh, that is common to Sanatan Dharma and all its offshoots, whatever you can call it, the Dharmic path or Dharmic traditions, if you want to uh, take a more general term. So in Dharmic traditions, what happens? W what are the Number one, the attitude to inquiry, what I call science, so attitude to science or quasi-science. So that is what, because here uh, you are encouraged, what are the scientific methods? The scientific methods is verifiability, universality, repeatability, and falsifiability. All these fours are available to you. And if you look at the Shadadarshanas, then you can very clearly see that all the Shaddarshanas, in fact, if you go very strictly, then you will find that at least five of the six Shaddarshanas, actually, you can very easily characterize them as atheistic. Atheistic in the sense of the Western idiom, not exactly in terms of the Indian idiom, because the Indian idiom, the Nastika position is actually an epistemic position. Epistemic means concerning the proof. I'll come to that. 
So that is the first one. The second one, uh, of course, is the time concept. The time concepts, the Indian time concepts, the Dharmic time concept is cyclic or quasi-cyclic, where you you move around in a cycle, but you're uh, it, it is a quasi-cycle in the sense that it is not eternal recurrence. That is, in the Western, the Greek world, of course, it was sometimes treated as eternal recurrence. I have written a um, monograph. It is there on the my Medium blog also, and it is there on my Jaipur Dialogues blog also. So you, one can have a look there. I have explained it, and uh, I and uh, Dr. C.K. Raju, we've had long discussions on it, and I wrote it, and he has vetted it also. So the well, that's a quasi-cyclic time, the end which you can go out of the cycle, that is what is called liberation. That is, you can leave that cycle. Then, in the Abrahamic world, it is absolutely linear, not just linear, it is super linear. That is, the time has a beginning, time has an end, and that also is compressed to a few thousand years. The Zoroastrians were the first one to compress it. Then they said it is 10,000 years. And uh, Christians, of course, uh, they brought it to something like 6,000 years. In fact, they were, it was much less. They go on increasing it every time. The last date they had given, that was given by Newton. It was 1920. Then they uh, said 2020, but uh, it doesn't seem to be coming because their cosmology is completely off. They're both their cosmology and their sense of linear time is completely off. And that is, it, that is good enough to falsify their entire theory, all the Abrahamic theories, because the linear time has been falsified. So if the linear time has been falsified, all religions based on linear time should automatically get falsified. But uh, nobody looks at it that way, that, that detail. Third is, of course, our, uh, what is called this logic. The Indian logic is never two-way. The Abrahamic logic is always binary. And that, again, is based on what epistemology? Epistemology means the proof system. That their proof is the proof of the book. Whatever is in the book is correct. And whatever is not in the book is wrong, true and false. And that true and false depends on the word. Whereas in Indian system, what happens is that Pratyaksha Praman is the highest Praman. So much so that in Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavan Krishna says, that if you have experienced the Ishwar, then you do not even need the Vedas. You know, that is where even Arya Samaj fails actually. Because Arya Samaj insists that Vedas are the Praman, ultimate Praman. But here in Bhagavad Gita, Vaan says, Vyava Anarthe Utpane Sampratodake Tavan Sarveshu Vedeshu Brahmanasya Vijanata. That is, for a person who has experienced the Ishwar, it is something like is somebody who is sitting on the bank of a huge reservoir and the kind of use that person will have for a small pond. So that that is the that 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 is the kind of epistemic freedom that has been given to us. So that is epistemology, then cosmology, 
we know our cosmology infinite uh, the first i think the very first enunciation of infinity is in that shloka that i said right in the beginning that uh, <clears throat> what is that purnamadha purnamidam purnat purnamadachate that is actually infinity verse then we come to the eschatology eschatology is the mm, the death theory our death theory is again is all about liberation and the death theory uh, it is linked of course to the cyclical time and the death theory of the abrahamics is linked to, of course to the linear time so it always it has one life and eternal hell or heaven and that eternal hell or heaven actually provides that fear of god because uh, uh, you are not autonomous in that sense because uh, a sanatani is autonomous in the sense that he can produce his own fate whereas the, the abrahamic is totally dependent upon the will of his allah or his uh, god and uh, of course the last one that also you can call it a derivative but it is i treat it as a seventh classification is the immanence of divine that uh, in the abraham the abrahamic god is always outside the cosmos he sits outside the cosmos the sanatani that the ishwar because and if you relate it to everything the universal consciousness chitta chitta and all that that the divine is immanent even in the dwait philosophy is immanent in that sense so uh, quite often i since I, i i tend to think that philosophy that uh, came much later it has very much in common with vahadate uh, wujud of uh, the uh, islamic philosophy so sometimes i get this feeling that maybe it is a reaction to that of course i have uh, i haven't done any great research on that that just just loud thinking so now you try and relate i've given you the the first uh, uh, the expansive and universal a subconscious uh, universal consciousness of brahma along with these seven differentiation so you know that uh, the abrahamic god is actually a prescriptive constricting god who basically is a product of the intellect of somebody the prophets maybe it's not like uh, in sanatandar where you have an inquiry like the nasadiya sukta in the rigveda uh, i think most of us would know nasadiya sukta and we know the what kind of inquiry it is and it leaves it open ended for you to determine so that is what uh, i think is the is the larger differentiation uh the conversion tactics that are used by these christian missionaries and it has been done since uh, uh, many centuries now where they kind of uh, you know try to uh, fool the people by saying that the advaita philosophy and uh, the uh, monotheistic uh, you know principle is common in christianity and uh, and sanatan dharma and uh, the vedas also prescribe this uh, nirgun 
uh, God. So they try to confuse this and try to tell them that uh, we are the same thing and then you should, uh, uh, you know, we should take ourselves because we are exactly the same thing that is the So uh, people kind of get confused and get fooled and say that, okay, maybe the same thing, you know. So let us, uh, what's the difference? So I would like you to probably give a counter if, if somebody puts this across. No, the, the, I give you seven different classifications for you to come to them. What is your logic concept? What is the importance of the book? We don't have, we, we are based on uh, uh, multi-valued logic. We are not based on the logic of the book. All these are counters. Those seven points that I've given you, all of them are counters. And also let us look at uh, something like uh, uh, <clears throat> how it operates at different levels. They have only one level. They reduce everybody to the level of ego and intellect. That is their level. Whereas Sanatana Dharma gives you different options at different levels. The psychic levels, okay? Yes, we have this para, pashanti, paddema, vakari. Or if you move in a different context, then you have chitta, ahankar, buddhi, man. And for all of these, you have a different approach. The many path approach is basically an approach that is not just through what is called, you know, they're confused by, you know, monotheistic and uh, polytheistic. Now, I gave it, gave this to you right in the beginning, that uh, Monism and monotheism are different. And what is this one God, that there is one God? When they say there is one God, they don't mean that actually. God is one, is not their prescription. The prescription is my one God. You have to differentiate between God is one and my one God. For them, it is that my one God, which sits at the level of, uh, not at the level of para or the transcendence, but at the level of the next level, the pashanti level. Pashanti is at the most, you can say, uh, high ego level. In any case, you know, in Western uh, psychology, they removed para. Though when <clears throat> the Western psychologists, Freud and all, they were uh, discussing this, they looked at the Indian psychology and they looked at the level of para, but then the church, because they had to take permission from the church, the church told them not to touch that. Because as soon as you go into para, the authority of church goes away. Then you start direct communication. Direct communication will mean that the authority of the church goes away. In Islam, authority of the cleric goes away. So they have forbidden that fourth level. That fourth level you cannot talk about. As I said, immanence of the divine is not permitted. Anybody is telling you, if a Christian tells you that, okay, they are monotheistic, first of all, ask him, Number one, what is the difference between monism and monotheism? 
but 99 out of 100, they will not be able to tell. Though, of course, they are taught apology, apologia. That is their specialized course in apologia, how to defend Christianity. Uh, everybody who becomes a pastor has necessarily go through those courses. So these are the different psychic levels and those psychic levels, according to that, if you are at the level of manas, then you can go for bhakti yoga. If your level of the intellect and ego, then you can go for um, <clears throat> jnana yoga. You can use your intellect to uh, transcend your senses. Or you can go for the samadhi yoga or the raja yoga. If you are at a higher level, you can use that. Or you can use that to go to that higher level. After all, Patanjali Yoga is probably the best technology to transcend uh, all your uh, senses and to go to the highest level. That is the one that even prescribes the, the uh, it says your yoga shitta vritti nirodha. And what are the vrittis? It is it surprises many people. In fact, the first time I came across, I was also taken aback that pramana viparre. Vikalp, Nidra, Smriti, Smritiya. So, even Nidra and Smriti are supposed to be Vritti, you have to go even beyond them. So, the Christians, they only basically they tell you lies. And because most people are not well schooled, that is why I said that my talk is basically aimed towards the Sanatan Dharmis. And it is encapsulated in that little booklet, which I mentioned to you, that you can have, uh, uh, in fact, I will probably send you a link, but, which you can give to the people. Uh, and also you put it in that YouTube talk that ultimately will be brought out. So th these are the, the basic questions that you need to ask. And you need to ask them that what is the permission or, or what, what is the, uh, let's say I'm, I'm looking for the right word. What is the mandate for inquiry in Christianity? There's no inquiry. It's pure dogma. Can you question the existence of Jesus, for instance? Can you question Virgin birth, for instance. Can you question flat earth, for instance? You cannot. So when that happens, when you're not allowed to question, when whatever is there, the word is God. In fact, it is there. I think John, the gospel of John says the word is God. The word means the scripture or Bible. So the Bible is God. The word is God. Then there is no room for any inquiry. There's no room for any reflection. There's no room for any transcendence. There's no room for going beyond. They, in fact, they put you, put a barrier in front of you. Jesus is the barrier. You can't go beyond Jesus. So those are the points on which you can very easily counter them. In fact, I am, uh, I've been waiting so many people, they don't even come and argue.
गुड इवनिंग संजय सर माय क्वेश्चन दैट ऑफ शिवलिंगम हैज बीन इंटरप्रेटेड सो बैडली पर्टिकुलरली बाय द सो कॉल्डिस्ट लाइक देवदत्त पटनायक दैट इट बिकम्स पर्टिकुलरली क्रिटिकल एंड एम्बेसिंग फॉर अ नॉन सनातनी टू अंडरस्टैंड इट ऑल्सो फॉर अ सनातनी टू एक्सप्लेन इट सो हाउ डू वी आर सेल्स अंडरस्टैंड एंड इंटरप्रेट द कॉन्सेप्ट ऑफ शिवलिंगम to our non hindu friends who ask us about it actually it is a question of bad translation that uh, lingam is translated as phallus by the westerners whereas uh, lingam is basically form and uh, the shiva and shakti form is uh, uh, what is shivalingam so it is the form of shiva it is it is not the phallus that basic problem of translation is something that is used against you and of course you took the name of devadatta patnaik devadatta patnaik is the what is called a uh, first rate sepoy of the westerners you know his uh, his guru wendy donegar he is a disciple of wendy donegar so you do not expect a, a disciple of wendy donegar to actually talk sense let me say uh, in sanskrit there is pulling streeling napunsakling what is ling in this ling is gender there is a form the male form the female form and the neuter form of course sanskrit is one of probably the only language that i know which has a neuter form as well so you are conceptualizing the form of shiva in a sagula manner you can also conceptualize it in the manner that i described in the rudrashtrakam at it is bad translation of a sanskrit term into english i would recommend to you the latest book that has been written by uh, rajiv malhotra ji the sanskrit non translatable so this uh, lingam is another non translatable which a bad translation has resulted in this kind of a confusion a uh, very important series of questions uh, which relate to the same theme so you said samoham sarvabhuteshu namedveshu sinapriya that means god is non partial if if a, if a real devotee of the mm-hmm. one god if he prays in israel or like say in pakistan or in say west indies can the ones true god can he reveal himself to uh, that the devotee very true i mean possible right yes of course samoham sarva bhuteshu tumhe deshos tinapri just means that and it is not a question of revelation it's a question of realization correct correct anybody can realize him it's it's uh, the concept is realization not revelation revelation is a very very abrahamic term so is there a possibility that the god who revealed himself to moses on mount sinai who himself called as ahe asher ahe which is ehova which 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 got later uh, translated to ehova jehova and all those things which literally meant i am that i am right and the other one who is like the the, the god of zoroaster right uh, which was uh, uh, which he called as ahura mazda when he right. revealed himself he tell, uh, told his name as i am that is ahmi yat ahmi which again meant i am that i am and in the god of uh, vedas the god of vedas reveals himself as 
ahamasmi literally again meaning i am that i am so this is the connection between all the revelations which is documented clearly in all those religions which, which literally points to the same god revealing himself everywhere no i don't agree with you i don't agree with you because uh, as far as uh, the ishwar is concerned ishwar is to be realized not to be revealed he doesn't go around revealing himself you have to go and find him it is a seeking it is not a belief whereas when you say that he revealed uh, uh, this man revealed himself here and that man revealed himself there that is basically a dogma here you have to seek him you have to find him you have to realize him within yourself and uh, a revealing god is one who is sitting outside the cosmos who is not sitting within you you are not even permitted to realize within you the concept of uh, when i was mentioning about the different levels then uh, the we have this concept of what is called upadan nimitt devata and manushya yeah so these are again related to different psychic levels correct so when i say the para level that upadan and upadan is the uh, brahma then you come down to what is called nimitta so nimitta is that is uh, where that is the level of the deity so that is why i say that uh, the abrahamic god is at the uh, at the level of the nimitta or at the level of the intellect so brahma vishnu mahesh they are treated as your ist or they are treated as your nimitta and what are devatas devatas are within your brain they are devatas are your different cognition points so when these people they start saying that okay that um, we do not share our deity with anybody so this is actually a deity this is not even a god look at the confusion first of all they strike out the universal consciousness part they reduce their god to a deity and then they start comparing them with our deities which are nothing but the manifestations of the highest consciousness so therefore i do not agree with this comparison revelation and re- realization are fundamentally different one is immanent and the other is outside so i mean like the, the interesting part here is whatever entity which revealed itself to the god of, uh, to zarathustra or moses and the one which uh, what the one which comes in the vedas it comes with the same name called ahamasmi which is more important which literally means i am that i am and the true meaning of i am that i am is the antaryami that is the more interesting part here which which can which cannot be uh, what do you say collated with the abrahamic uh, cults uh, uh, what do you say uh, 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 ideology uh, because it's the god within me that's the most important realization that you have to have yeah so that's what i'm saying because even in the vedas the way to understand vedas uh, actually i refer you to a an article by uh, professor subhash kak and there he discusses the the first rigveda sutra that is uh, om agni mile purohitam yagyasya devam mrityujam hotaram ratnadhatam and then he compares the translations that have been done by the westerners and even some 
uh, Easterners uh, who are prone to look at things from the Western lens. And then he looks at it from the point of view of the realized soul. Because for the realized soul, Agni is not fire. Agni is something else. Uh, uh, how many types of Agnis are there in the Vedas? How many types of Agnis are there in the Sanskrit language? Dozens. So Agni is Agni the physical fire? That is the basic question that you need to ask when you start uh, going about interpreting this verse. So uh, I think uh, I would refer you to that particular article which is there. It is uh, uh, on Vedas, the different cognition points where he discusses that uh, the devatas are the different uh, cognition points within your brain. And uh, therefore, the way you are trying to compare the two, I think that is fundamentally problematic. It is, according to me, an artificial attempt. And it is uh, actually coming from the Western lens. Because some of the people, uh, some of our own Indian people, they try and look at it and, uh, and rationalize it in this way and then say that, okay, all religions are the same. No, all religions are not the same. Let me assert it. They're fundamentally different in every way. I, I completely agree that part. Uh, what I'm trying to say is like, the, if that is the name of the God, that can only be completely, uh, what do you say, uh, that's what I'm trying to say. So the real name of God, if it is I am that I am or that's only meaningful with the God of the Vedas and nothing else. And, and their entire cult will fall apart Christians they do it very well and they come up with all kind of these uh, what is called false analogies they, they do it all the time and how many souls are there in uh, the Abrahamic cults? Like, is this finite or infinite? <laughs> according to Abrahamic religions, according to my understanding, a human being is the only being that has a soul. Okay. Like all, all, all other beings are without soul. So that is why it is uh, permissible to consume everything. Yeah, in nature, it is, it is, it is not like uh, I uh, recited that shloka to you. Samam sarveshu bhuteshu, tishthantam parameshwaram. So when it says when it is said sarveshu bhuteshu, that means all beings, all sentient beings, all insentient beings, all are included. Hamatma Gudakesha Sarva Bhutashayastita. So who, who are these Sarva Bhutashayastita? Sarva Bhutasha is all beings. Everything has element of Ishwar or universal consciousness in them. That is how you are able to have the manifestation of the universal consciousness even in a stone by consent, consecrating it. Completely. That is that is the fundamental philosophy behind uh, Murti Puja. So, Sarvasyacham Vidhisarnivishtaha and also Yantra Rudena Mayaya. It's Srimad Bhagavatam. You know, what does he say? I, I, I actually conflate these two shlokas. Let's say. Samam sarveshu bhuteshu tishthantam parameshwaram 
विनश्यत्सु अविनश्यंतम यह पश्यति स पश्यति ओके बट इज इट पॉसिबल फॉर एवरीबॉडी टू रियलाइज दिस इट इज नॉट वी नो दैट दिस रियलाइजेशन इज प्रॉब्लम द मोस्ट डिफिकल्ट थिंग 0.000001% of the people would probably go to that realization but the realization is not intellectualizing it it is not you know mugging it up and uh, reciting that shloka and again and again realization is a real realization within yourself so in shrimad bhagavatam in the same context what does uh, bhagwan say said yavat sarveshu bhuteshu Now please listen to this carefully. Yavat sarveshu bhuteshu mad bhavo no pajayate. Mad bhavo that my bhav. Jab tak sabhi bhuto me tumko mera bhav nahi a jata hai. Till you start seeing me in every being. Yavat sarveshu bhuteshu mad bhavo no pajayate. तावदेव मुपासीत वांगमन काय वृत्तिशिपिंग मी मनसावाचा कर्मण दैट इज दी फंडामेंटल ऑफ मूर्ति पूजा सो दैट इज वेर ओके दैट इज वी कैन अग्री ऑन दैट सो जस्ट अ फॉलो दैट लाइक सो इफ इफ द सोल्स आर फाइनेट लाइक ओनली ह्यूमंस आर फाइनेट दैट एंड व्हेन द अर्थ परिशेस सम टाइम देन व्हाट विल दैट अब्राहमिक कल्ट्स गॉड डू देयर इज नो एक्सप्लेनेशन इन एनी केस आई डू नॉट कंसीडर टू बी वेरी साइंटिफिक और रैशनल इट्स ऑल डॉग्मा अनसब्सटैंटिएटेड एंड अनवेरिफाइएबल नॉन यूनिवर्सल non repeatable in short i think we do not use these terms out of respect or i shouldn't say out of respect because i do not respect anybody who doesn't respect me and islam and christianity do not respect me so i don't respect them either i'm very clear about it. i've written so many times in my social media exchanges but uh, this is balderdash nonsense I mean, even through intellect, you cannot uh, understand this. Huh? Basically, what they say, the, e- even though the God is the creation of this intellect, the Abrahamic God, but he is not uh, susceptible even to basic intellect. That is the problem. So again, I agree with you on that. My first question is: uh, You must have heard Mr. Jay Lakhani. I yeah. uh, his videos. and a couple of things i really liked and i would want your views on it uh, in one of the forums where they were discussing um, you know uh, where is god you know is uh, which is superior monotheistic polytheistic and he said something which says sanatan dharma is monotheistic with polymorphistic uh, you know way of practice which means you can see god in anything but there is an ultimate existence and so after that after that what i have seen is that people especially sanatanis are often confused whether sanatan dharma is polytheistic which means there is one existence but various ways to find it or is it polymorphistic to say that you can see in anything or is it to say that you know this language it is deficient it cannot define this dharma and hence you know higher as you talked about it 
See, I've uh, heard Jay Lekhani speak and he makes a lot of sense. But uh, the only problem happens because he is speaking to a Western audience. So the language in which he chooses to explain it to them, that uh, can confuse us. Basically, when he says monotheistic, well, it is not monotheistic because theism basically means worship of uh, somebody. So that is theism. I, in fact, this is accepted position that uh, monism and monotheism are uh, different principles. Monism is one when there is one, you can call it substance, element, consciousness, energy, whatever. That is there one underlying everything else. So that is not monotheism, that is monism. That is why in this talk I have tried to differentiate the levels. So uh, Jay Lakhani, basically what he wants to say that uh, there is one and there are manifestations. And what the Abrahamics do is that they compare their deity with the manifestations. The choice of words may not be exactly the choice of words that we are using. But whatever he is saying is basically saying the same thing. But since he's talking to the Western audiences, then he uses different terms. But we can always clarify it with our own understanding. Uh, thank you for the explanation. I think I also need to do a little bit study to understand this. My second question is that, um, have you ever done any study to understand that if we trace back, do you think we'll be able to find the root of Zoroastrianism in Sanatan Dharma, especially when we look at the way they worship fire, you know, Surya. Uh, and a lot of people say that uh, before Murti Pujan came into Sanatan Dharma, and if you compare it with the way Zoroastrians worship, uh, there are some, uh, some of many similarities. Now, I probably would not know much about it. Any study that you have done uh, with this regard? <laughs> Well, I haven't uh, done so much into it. A lot of people, other people have done it. That uh, you can look at the, uh, in fact, some of these RN invasion theory research and also uh, look at the research of uh, somebody like Shrikant Talagiri or uh, you can look at somebody like David Frawley. And uh, you can very clearly see that uh, the Zoroastrianism is actually. Uh, has very much common with the late Rigvedic uh, civilization. And the late Rigvedic civilization is the one where that uh, Ten King War is described. And the Ten King War is actually the schism that uh, ultimately took place. And uh, now people are increasingly coming to the conclusion that even that Ten King War was basically because of the monism versus monotheism a dichotomy that occurred at that time. And uh, uh, a lot of other studies, there is a recent book which has uh, come from Dr. Shiva Shastri. There also he uh, discusses a Western language and it is from again from the linguistic point of view. And then he goes deeper into it and discusses the Zoroastrian religion as well. So I think those are the points. In fact, uh, the RN invasion theory, linguistics, the Indic or the Dharmic lens, 
that will give you a lot of insights into the zoroastrian religion and the commonalities mera jaise ek sawal ye tha jaise aapne ye bola ki abrahamic aur non abrahamic ka lekin wo ek bahut hi major sachcha hai jaise usme agar aap dekhenge ki abrahamic mein bahut limited hai wo aap aise consider kar sakte jaise indian constitution hai aur ek usa ka constitution hai उसको समझना इंडियन कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन को बहुत मुश्किल है कुछ ही लोग समझ पाएंगे और मतलब रॉकेट साइंस मैंने मुझे देखा है कि बहुत ज्यादा है कि कोई आप सांख्य दर्शन पढ़ लो ये पढ़ लो वो पढ़ लो वहां पढ़ लो वहां लो अब वहां पे एक बुक पढ़ लो आपका सब काम हो गया आपको स्वर्ड भी मिल जाएगा आपको सब मिल जाएगा तो वो भी मेरे को एक लगता है कि एक बहुत बड़ा फेलियर रहता है हमारा कि हम एक्सप्लेन नहीं कर पाते अच्छे से आपको पता नहीं चलता उस बुक में है क्या मूर्खता की बातें अधिकतर वो कहते हैं हमारी एक किताब है वो कहते हैं वो हमारी दूसरी किताब है स्वामी चिन्मयानंद कहता है access to a library is it your good fortune or misfortune ab agar aapke paas library hai aur us library pe aap jate nahi hai bahar hi baithe rehte hain to usme uski kiski galti hai library ki galti to nahi hai matlab main se ek aur sawal tha jaisa hamari idhar bhi sai baba hai ye sab hai to jaise ki bahut sare log inko prove kar chuke ki ye puri tarah se galat hai लेकिन फिर भी लोग इनको बहुत ज्यादा बिलीव करते हैं तो और इनका एब्रामिक से भी ज्यादा रिलेशन मतलब जो उनकी किताब है वो थोड़ा बहुत है लेकिन उतना भी मुझे नहीं देखता तो आप उस पर भी कृपया करके मुझे तो समझ भी नहीं आता है कि एक तरफ तो हम ये कहते रहते हैं कि भाई घर वापसी कराओ घर वापसी कराओ और यहाँ पर अगर हम ये मान भी ले चलिए हम एक बात फॉर आर्ग्यूमेंट से कि भाई वो कभी मुस्लिम धर्म के थे तो यदि उनकी मूर्ति बन गई तो उनकी तो घर वापसी हो गई ना समस्या क्या है ये फिर क्यों ये बात में आती है कि एक तरफ तो कहते हैं साहब साहब की घर वापसी करो दूसरी तरफ जिनकी मूर्ति पूजा हो रही है वो कम से कम अब्राहमियों से तो अलग हो गए ना बस यही धर्मों के लिए वो स्वीकार रहे नहीं और वहां किसी को आपत्ति नहीं हो रही उनकी मूर्ति पूजा में तो समस्या क्या है हमारे यहाँ तो डेटी तो हर स्तर की बन जाती है ग्राम देवता भी होता है कुल देवता भी होता है इष्ट देवता भी होता है तो अगर कोई साई बाबा की अगर अपना इष्ट देवता मान भी लेता है so you can treat him as a kul devta you can treat him as a gram devta you can treat him as anything problem kya hai samasya kya hai mujhe aaj tak samajh bhi nahi aaya jo log kehte hain ki saab ki sai baba jo the wo musalman the rahe honge jab unhone hindu reeti riwaj se kuch bhi karna aaramb kar diya to wo to mushrik ho gaye bhai hame islam ka basic nahi pata hai ऐसा व्यक्ति तो इस्लाम के लिए हराम है जो व्यक्ति इस्लाम के लिए हराम है उसको हम कह रहे हैं नहीं साहब हम उसको नहीं स्वीकार करें क्यों नहीं करेंगे भाई देर इज दिस वेरी फेमस यू नो काइंड ऑफ थ्योरी दैट इज फ्लोटिंग दैट देर इज दैट 
Shiva resides in Makkah. The, there was originally a Shiv Mandir there, and it's turned into a Makkah Medina. So, uh, could you please shed some light on that? And also, uh, the abandoned temples that we have in uh, these Islamic uh, countries like Afghanistan, Pakistan. Uh, what exactly is the use of them lying there abandoned? What can be done about it? Point number one: uh, I do not have any evidence to either prove it or to disprove it. But uh, now there is increasing evidence that what we know as Mecca actually did not exist in the 7th century. So that question is a very, very open question. Basically, we can say that let us be agnostic about it and uh, wait for more evidence to come. Uh, that is as far as the first question is concerned. The second one, that uh, temples are lying abandoned. What can be done about it? Well, uh, we can't do anything without the involving those other countries. And uh, when there is no population left, then uh, what can you do with the temples except for preserving them as some kind of a curio pieces or museum pieces? I think uh, they used to be uh, about a lakh, lakh and a half people in Afghanistan till about uh, 20 years back. Now I think they're not even a thousand. Uh, and even those little thousands are just in a few places. And every time you go there, you run the risk of being bombed. So you have to look at the uh, actual situation that is prevailing there. But in Pakistan, of course, there's still quite a few happening places. Look at the Shakti Peet of Hingalaj Mata that is protected by the Baloch themselves. And they consider it the uh, pride. And they call it Nanika Mandir. Hingalaj Mata Shakti Peet. And that is well protected and well visited even today. So... Well, but Islam is Islam. They will destroy. They are fanatic about destroying all forms. And that destroying all forms actually then <laughs> goes to the other extreme of destroying all human form too. Vishnu <laughs> तो हमने देखा क्या कि प्रलाद ने ही उनका बांधा खोल दिया था तो इस्लाम का बांधा कौन खोलेगा हमारा आई एम वर्किंग एट कास्मार जी बेटास इज द इंटरनेशनल क्वेश्चंस कम्स फ्रॉम नोबल लॉरेट्स एंड अदर पीपल आल्सो सो व्हाट इज रिक्वायर्ड इज इंडिया हैज गॉट टू गेट अरेंज्ड एंड इट हैज एन एडवांटेज but then you have to look at the dimensional aspect of it. So this is not simply from biological frame. You have to work it out to divine frame. There are a number of uh, uh, ways which can be projected through PowerPoints. So it cannot be a dry philosophy. If through the PowerPoints, people can understand how to go beyond the galactic plane. And what we consider dharma is beyond the galactic plane. So naturally, we have to define in terms of this present-day crisis, orientation is more essential. 
and there are number of books and projections. Okay, I can help you to train the people also. Then projections will be helpful. You can keep a set of the books. Fifteen books are there available at Luru, and out of that, five books are there global, including Avatar. So what is required is copyrights and protection aspect from India is very much lacking behind, and support is not coming in the right way. Lot of universities and other people have got to wake up to the present-day reality. Consciousness holds the key for entire India, and this is the base of knowledge-based culture. And because Ars Nebula filters the mind over the continents, so naturally we are seeing seeing it a lot of chaotic state. So it is time that we have to get our head the subject. In a dimensional way, the projections go in a large scale, light years. Thank you very much for giving me time. In a very general way, I just have to agree with you. Can't the Quran be challenged for its violent verses, uh, including the Bible, in India today? And has it been done? And uh, why do do we not see anything happening on that front? Well, it has to be done by somebody. It was done by. Hmm, I think uh, you read that Calcutta Quran petition by Sita Ram Goelji, and uh, it will give you a full description of uh, what was done in Calcutta in 1984. I think 1984-85 around that time, and uh, uh, ultimately it uh, also got some favorable uh, remarks from one of the judges. But then. Uh, point is that uh, what we are doing these days in uh, discussing the quran and discussing its verses and uh, actually telling our people and making them read it and understand it that is probably much more effective i have seen this uh, bear fruit over the last uh, 5 6 years where people have now gathered much greater understanding and there are some very fine books that have come about one of them is this uh, understanding muhammad by ali sina which is actually the rage these days and i would recommend everybody to read it aap bhi padhiye hindi mein bhi hai devanshu ji usko aap pad lenge aur agar hazar logon ko padhwa denge freely downloadable hai to ye jo aap keh rahe hain na ban kar dijiye wo kar dijiye uski koi zarurat hi nahi padegi लोग अपने आप दिमाग से ही उसको बैन कर देंगे और बैन नहीं करेंगे बल्कि उसको इतना प्रचारित कर देंगे कि आप सोचिए कि क्या हश्र होगा इसीलिए अली सीना को ढूंढ रहे हैं बुरी तरह से कौन है ये दिस इज अम उस व्यक्ति ने पूरा का पूरा वो डिमोलिश कर दिया डूइंगो एनालिसिस ऑफ दॉफेट ऑफ इस्लाम तो ये और किसी चीज को बैन करने से आजकल के युग में बैन होने से हो क्या जाएगा आई डोंट अंडरस्टैंड व्हाई फॉर बैनिंग थिंग्स आप बैन कर देंगे तो इंटरनेट पे उसको आप कैसे रोकेंगे ये तीस साल पहले चालीस साल पहले ठीक था बैन कर देते तो लोगों को उपलब्ध नहीं होती अब क्या करेंगे आप so all this fanaticism of uh, religion or cult happens to for, for the final fruit which is salvation 
So uh, except like say forget about the 72 hoes. So sthiti or gati, Quran or Christianity or maybe Vedas may. Like because it's an infinite passage of time, right? Once they go into salvation, tagatva punar navartante raddhama paramam maha. Vaha jake, infinite time tak kya kahega jiyo? I suggest you, you read my discussion with Dr. C.K. Raju in that book which I, that little booklet actually, about 6,000-7,000 words, where we have discussed this concept of liberation from his point of view, from the point of, in fact, three points of view. The three points of view are what is called eternal recurrence, the quasi-cyclical time, and uh, what is called the reincarnation. So all these three points have been taken up in that. And because this is merits a very detailed discussion, I think it would not be uh, possible to do it in this kind of a discussion. What is your opinion on Sanatani Muslims uh, that we get to hear nowadays? I don't understand the concept. <laughs> you can't be Sanatani as Muslim at the same time. <laughs> because if you if you are a Muslim and you say you are a Sanatani, then you become a mushrik. And uh, you commit the ultimate sin of uh, irtidad. Irtidad is uh, apostasy. So the apostasy is a wajibul khatl in Islam. That is, it is mandated to every Muslim to kill that person. It's a kind of a general commandment to the entire Muslim population to kill that person. So whether you have become an irtidad or you are not an irtidad, then how can you be sanatani? Because I already differentiated the two on seven different points and also at different psychic levels that differentiation i have done so how can you reconcile that first of all either you you're a believer or you're an open-minded person if you're not a believer then you're not a muslim if you're an open-minded person you become a mushrik <laughs> or you become a murtad or mulhid these are the, the fine Islamic terms that distinguish such people. So that is why I asked a few people, please explain what do you mean by Sanatani Muslims? I think this confusion is there some, among some uh, uh, what is called nationalistic organizations also. Uh, I keep asking them. They haven't yet explained it to me. So if somebody else, uh, or the person who is asking question can explain it to me, I would be enlightened. Sanjay ji, before we end the session, uh, yesterday you had a very, very uh, enlightening session on the Jaipur Dialogues uh, with Neeraj Atri ji and Tufail ji on the uh, ex-Muslims. Can you just enlighten the audience as to how to uh, take these YouTube channels and how to whether to take them seriously or not? What I said was basically that uh, unless a person has done some deeper research or some develop some understanding of uh, uh, Sanatan Dharma, 
and if he is uh, making some comments only from his standpoint of what how he looks at the abrahamic religions and then he says he uh, becomes an atheist and then he is into this uh, trope of the tribe of all religions are the same and then he starts looking at sanatan dharma as also another religion just like the islam and christianity then i said that that okay he's just being foolhardy that's that's what my conclusion was and so if you are going to those channels then this is what you have to look out for whether this person is uh, basically only anti islam or uh, he is just trying to act as anti islam and his target is something else so those are the things that you have to be very very discerning about that's what i was saying